Hope you and your family had a Merry Christmas, getting ready for New Year's. So glad you're here, celebrating this last Sunday of 2019. See what God has for us as we get prepared for what He has in store. I just want you to know this morning that as we do, we are still not a perfect church or a perfect people. We've had another year to work on it, and uh, we're still not perfect or is a church or as people. We prove it regularly. We want to apologize for that. It's not our intention. It's just the way it happens. But we are here because we know we need God's help, and Jesus Christ is the answer, and we know that. So we promote that to you to let you know that He is the answer to your life. I may not be, we may not be, but He is. Amen? It's all about Jesus. That's what it's all about. And He has called us as a church to radiate His love in the world around us, to reach lost people and saved people, to restore them into fully mature followers of Christ. So I just want to say thank you to our worship team. What a great selection of songs to give you hope and to grab a hold of and the amazing promises of God and encourage your hearts today. We want to let you know about some things that are happening. Uh, next week, uh, full throttle, you'll get an email. There is a blessing to start the new year off over here at Renegade Classics and stuff, and uh, they're going to hold the blessing off till after our services are ended. So if you want to come over and be a part of that with us, I have some flyers over by my seat that you can take with you and we'll be a part of that. Also, uh, if you want to be part of ministry opportunities, uh, we have those available through our website. Also, there's new classes starting next Sunday morning at 9.15 as well as through the week. Tuesday nights, uh, it's some people asking me and if you look at the flyer, not every detail is on there, but it is on our app and on our website. We will be offering uh, not only life recovery on Tuesdays, but growing in Christ will start new, and so will Spirit-filled follower, which is the follow-up to that. So both of those classes, or all three of those classes, will be running on Tuesday nights here on campus. We will be taking the vans to pick up at the Gospel Rescue Mission to bring you over to be a part of those if you'd like to. We also have other things happening throughout the week in different home groups, so check those things out. Uh, those start January 5th on the Tuesday nights. Next Sunday at 9.15 starts the others. I want to encourage you that if you've not been a small part of a small group or a class, it would be a great time to do it. That's where you build relationships and become part of the body, not just attending on Sunday mornings. Um, another prayer thing that I would ask you to consider as we move forward is January 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Pastor Joshua Rivera will be with us. He is potentially our next youth pastor, and he'll be spending that week with uh, Pastor Stephen and uh, the youth throughout that week. Then he'll travel back to Ohio, and uh, good Lord willing, everything's going accordingly. He'll be back with us to stay permanently uh, by the third week of January as he moves down here to Tucson. So be praying for Joshua and all that's happening in his life. The last thing I want to share with you uh, before the message is next Sunday we have baptism. So if you have not been baptized or you desire to be rebaptized. Please go to our website, through the app, connect with us, let us know. And we want to make that happen to start the new year next Sunday together, having that happen. All right, so accountability, you ready? Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week in God's Word? Yes. Did you share God's story with someone this week? Yes. Did you spend time alone with Him this week with no agenda? Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. Did you invite someone to church th this week? Yes. Are you each one reaching one and teaching one? Yes. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 is the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, we are called by God in a challenge to believers that we would go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
And as we do that, teach these new disciples the commandments of Christ. So, church, I want you to know that God himself has called you and he has named you as ministers of the gospel, missionaries to Tucson, Pima County, and wherever you live. You have been commissioned by God to be a missionary in a pagan lost culture where people need Jesus. You speak their language. You know their culture. You know where you live and who you live by. Those are the people God has planted you next to so that you might be the light in their life. All right, church? That is God's call. You agree with that? If you don't, you can repent and look in God's word again because it's his call. He told us this. When Jesus was ascending, Acts 1.8 tells us that Jesus said, the Father's promise is coming of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, you will be empowered to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. So the Holy Spirit was coming to empower God's people to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so that works right here the same way. In your home, in Tucson, Pima County, Arizona, United States, and the world. So if you and I are living our faith according to the biblical mandates of Jesus Christ, and we are following the Holy Spirit in our life, and we're doing what God's asked us to do, we are to be salt and light in the world. We are to be sharing our faith with other people. People should be coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and it should be spreading throughout the world. Does that happen in your neighborhood? Okay. What's the breakdown? What's the problem? I mean, I look in God's Word, and this is what He tells us. This is the way it's going to be, and this is what happens. And He says that He is going to give us power to be this kind of a people, this kind of a witness, and, and God is going to use the good news of the gospel, transforma- transformation through Jesus Christ that will not only impact your life, but the people's lives around you, and it's going to spread. But that's not happening. We know it's not. Tucson is a pagan city. We live in a pagan state, in a pagan nation, in a pagan world. What is going on, church? We look in the Word of God and what He tells us something, all right? So let's look at what God's Word challenges me for and what I need to do to align to God's Word that I might fulfill God's expectations for Dave in 2020. All right? We close out a year. With this idea, we turn the calendar to a new year, a new day, and we have the opportunity for new opportunities. So a lot of times we make uh, times of reflection, look back at what's happened in 2019. We look forward with resolution to 2020, and we hope things will be different. We expect things to be different. We want things to change certain things okay some things are good and i'm not saying they're all bad just that there's going to be change so as we think about that i want to ask you church like we don't like change let's be honest we don't we pretty much all sit where we normally sit on sunday mornings i do as well i sit right over there and uh, i always tell everybody i do that because of the worst seat to the house and i'm doing that for your benefit all right (laughs) But the truth of the matter is I sit there because I can't see you all when I'm worshiping because y'all distract me, all right? So I sit in the front so that I can stay focused because I have issues, all right? So if I'm in the back and I see you get up three times in church, I'm thinking I need to pray for that person's bladder. I need to pray, pray, 
pray that they lose their phone service or <laughs> that they just say yes to Jesus and stop running, right? So when that's happening all over the church, then I'm lost and I'm not worshiping Jesus anymore. So I sit in the front so that I can't see your problems. All right? All right. So anyway, I'm just, just being honest and confessing to you. So this is the thing here. So as we, as we are where we are, we are creatures of habit and we don't like change a lot, but change is happening. It's happening all over the place. And so um, it's obvious when you see children. And if they're not living in your house, but you only see them periodically, it's like crazy sometimes. They come in and they're like a different person. And it's like amazing. My granddaughter walked in on Christmas morning, uh, Christmas afternoon when they came over, and uh, she's no longer a little girl. She's a lady. And, uh, you know, when I I walked in, uh, when she walked in and I saw her and I saw her as a woman, I was like, "Mm, I'm not okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a Barbie doll. Go sit on the floor. (laughs) You need to stop that, man. That's not okay. Right? But it's not going to happen. No matter how much I want that, that little innocence of my holding you down to be not going to happen change and it's like oh man you know i i know what's coming i know what's coming and i'm not okay with that i don't like you guys (laughs) anyway so i'm telling you that i understand that change is not something we're like all excited about i do i want you to know too that as we get older uh we mature more we, we change less, and we don't see change the same. But I do know that if you look at a picture of yourself last Christmas versus this Christmas, you're going to see there's a change. Even in some of us older people, all right? It, there is a change in you. And some of you younger people who don't think you're changing, you can look at those pictures too. Change is happening. It's going on right now. And so as I see that, and I'm asking God about 2020, I'm saying, Lord... I need to embrace change. It's one of my core values, as you know, that I'm committed to change. It's always happening, and I'd rather embrace it than fight it. I want God to show me what changes I need to make so that the changes that happen in my life are more about my relationship with Him and where He's taking me. And so what I ask you right now is, as you're reflecting upon the new year, and you have some ideas in your mind about some stuff, what spiritual goals do you have for you and your family for 2020? So, honestly, I confess, and this is not a rebuke in any way, it's sad, but most of us have probably not even considered one. Like a spiritual goal for 2020 for me and my family. And it's like, really, why not? You know, we, we are like looking at this and saying like, I, I do want things to be different and I want God to change things in my world. I want God to change my family, my life and everything. And it's like, well, the, the truth of the matter is this is the, this is the truth. We want those changes to happen in a positive way, but we want God to supernaturally impart them into us. You know, it's just like we were going to start a diet in October, but then we was like, you know, there's really no point when the holidays are coming, so we'll get to that in January. 
And the same thing with exercising or whatever else we got going on. It's easy to procrastinate. It's one of our gifts. It's a natural tendency we have to just push things off into the future with full intention that it's going to happen. But it rarely comes. But we really will have it happen. It's going to change. It's just not today. And so as we consider this, I want to ask you about the, the, the sincere reality of a spiritual goal for 2020. Three years ago, I believe in January, uh, I asked that you would uh, consider making a, a, a New Year's resolution of adding a spiritual discipline in your life, and I would as well. You may not have been here, and that's fine. You may not remember, and that's fine too. I, uh, I did this challenge for myself and shared it with you. And I took journaling as my personal challenge in my spiritual disciplines to help me grow in my faith. I had a threefold purpose in my journaling, that I would reflect upon what God was doing today, what I sensed God saying, and what I thought God wanted to do. So that each day at the end of the day, it would help me to stay focused to make sure that I was attentive to, and if I wasn't that day, that it gave me the opportunity to stop, reflect back over the day. What was God doing? What was he trying to do in me? And what did he want to get done, right? So I'm looking at those things and I'm journaling. So uh, December 31st of this year, I will have completed a, my very first in my entire life journal. It's not very big either. Uh, so, <laughs> and then I'm going to cast that aside and probably throw it in the trash and get another one and start again. So I added that in my life, and I'm very grateful that I did because there's been several times where I've just kind of flipped pages and looked at stuff, read what God was doing, what he was up to, what he said to me and different things, and it's very much an encouragement to me, so I'm grateful. So I'm thinking about those things, and then I reflect back last year in October of 2018. I was in uh, California for some meetings, church meetings, and uh, during that meeting, there's conversations happening, and God definitely spoke to me about each one, reach one, teach one. There was no doubt about it. And then uh, he spoke to me about the one church worship, all of that together. So last year, I presented to you that that I have in my accountability questions, what to ask you, how you work, and I'm praying about each one, reach one, teach one, because it's a fulfillment of the Great Commission. Now, I know that you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. I couldn't save myself. It's an act of God that saves us. It's a gift. Okay, I know that. And so it was not ever God's intention nor mine, nor is it our agenda to say that everyone here had to save somebody because you couldn't have saved them in the first place. Okay, but it is our responsibility to reach them and teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ because God has chosen to use us to be the light of the world, the salt in this world, to be the witness to Jesus Christ, to live in such a way that people are attracted to the Savior that we have and they ask questions and want to know Him. So that is our responsibility and always will be. It's not just a goal. So when, when I was reflecting over that and, and praying about today and looking at next Sunday, asking God, like, what is it? Do you want me to present a challenge, a goal? No, God just asked me if I would ask you if you would establish a spiritual goal for you and your family. So I want you to do that. I want you to establish it through prayer, asking God what it is that he wants to accomplish in your life and in your family's life for 2020. All right. Now, we all know that Christian, uh, Christianity as a whole has a bad name. It's gotten bad press, and some of it's been earned, and it's been um, our fault, okay? 
reality is is that Christianity has been painted with a broad brush of hypocrisy. And uh, the reason for that is because of the inconsistencies in people's lives. We call ourselves Christians, but we don't live different than the world. And so when people that call themselves Christians live like the world, the world calls them a hypocrite because they see they're no different. So the truth of the matter is, please hear this part, the world knows what a Christian ought to look like. They do. And you know this? Even though the, the world says the church is a bunch of hypocrites, I don't like organized religion, blah, 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 all the excuses they give, every believer, I'm sorry, every person out there that knows a real believer says they know a real believer. I know that you're a real Christian. I know that that person was a real Christian in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, because they know what a real Christian looks like, lives like, acts like, responds like, what they are. That's the truth of the matter. And so even though the world as a whole wants to take the church and Christianity as a whole and push it away, the fact is, everyone knows a real Christian. Hmm, that's interesting. So my question to you before we read the scriptures is, would someone say you're a real Christian? <laughs> hmm. So the reason why we ask accountability questions about have you spent time in God's word is because it is through God's word that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals truth to us about what a real Christian is. How a real Christian lives. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus didn't just say, go and baptize them and make disciples. He said, teach these new disciples my command. So there's a life that is expected of those who have been saved and baptized. So there's a responsibility of not only the saved, but those that are discipling that these people would grow into this new life. An expectation that a real Christian doesn't just get saved, doesn't just get baptized, but they live different because now they are learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Life transformation. All right, so the Bible gives us this amazing opportunity to look into a spiritual mirror. And the Holy Spirit is the one that projects the image for us about what we're seeing about us. Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to us. All right. So you may not want to see what you see in the mirror because maybe you only want to see what you think, not what you are. Because you see, church, when we really look into the Word of God and we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak and look at us, He will absolutely reveal the truth of who we are. So let's look into that mirror together. This is an amazing passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 that will allow us to get clear definition of some things and, and how we see things. In the middle of this letter, there's this amazing statement in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. 
It's an interesting statement that would take place in the middle of a letter. Now, the Apostle Paul, being the man of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, is writing a divine message. But in the middle of that message, he makes this incredible statement. With the Lord's authority, I say this. He wants there to be no doubt in the ears of every person hearing these words that this is not man's ideas, it's not Paul's ideas, it's not the church's ideas. This is God's authority being spoken into our life. That's pretty significant. So what does he say? Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. All right, just pause for a minute. Let's think about this. This is what he says. Church, we already know this. We're not looking at the world in condemning views. We already know that the world is closed off to God. They're living in the confusion of their mind. They are in darkness. They're celebrating their brokenness. They're dancing in the streets, promoting their ungodliness. They are not ashamed of their sinful ways. They are celebrating them. God's word. No sense of shame. They are living it boldly. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Do you remember this was written 2,000 years ago, right? Uh-huh. See, we, we always think that things are so bad now. It's been like this since sin entered the world. Nothing's any different. Okay? So now as we look at this, remember with the Lord's authority I say this. Let's continue reading then what he says. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Hmm. New disciples, new believers, followers of Jesus Christ. That's not the way you've learned to live. That's not what you do. That's not the practices you have in your life. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which was corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like a God, truly righteous and holy. Man, that is a challenging section of Scripture right there. Look, it's telling us plain flat out. There's the old way, and there's the new way. Don't live like this. Don't live in hopeless confusion with your mind full of darkness, closed minds and hardened hearts, not open to the truth. You don't live like that. No sense of shame calloused over in your heart, living only for the pleasure of lust and eagerly practicing every kind of impurity. Don't live like that. You used to be that way. That's not what you've learned. Instead, your response to the truth and what we know about Jesus is this. This is what he tells us now. You've already learned this. Y'all know it. Now, 
Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. We know, I've stated it, I'll state it again here just for clarity. No one saves themselves. You don't earn your salvation. You can't purchase your own salvation. It's a gift of God. All right? So God has done it. Now then, there is a responsibility on my part in this relationship. And what he just told us is, I must throw off the way I used to live. Come on, man. It's God's word. I have to throw it off. I have to take responsibility for my actions, my choices, my behaviors, my language, what I respond to, what I don't respond to, and how I respond to it. I have to take ownership of me in my relationship with God, and I've got to throw away the garbage and allow God to renew me and make me new. My responsibility in this relationship with God. How does that happen? This is what the Word of God says. I just read it to you. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So you need a transformation. I need a transformation of how I think. And my attitude needs to be changed. Amen. Changing of attitude. A new approach to life the way I process things, view things, and react to things has to be different because in the past, I allowed my own nature, my sin nature, my flesh to respond to everything. Now, I am setting that aside and I am choosing to follow what the Spirit of God is saying and I allow Him to renew the way I think, to renew my attitude. We need new attitudes. Man, a lot of Christians have sucky attitudes. That is not a product of the Holy Spirit. That's a product of you. And you are supposed to take that off. You. Nobody else's fault. They didn't make you take up a bad attitude today. You chose to. God's Word, man. Remember these verses from the second Sunday of Advent? Talking about peace. Oh, yeah, let peace, you know, Jesus, guard your mind and your heart and all that. Here we go. Ready? Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So when we read these scriptures over and over again, we look at that and it says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Throw off the old ways. Stop thinking, processing, and functioning in that negative, broken, despicable life you used to be a part of. Now renew yourself in the power of who God is. No one can change the way you think or your attitude but you. It's not anybody else's fault. It's nobody else's responsibility. It's yours. <laughs> there it is. It's here in the Word of God. All right? Now then, let's go back to the Scriptures I was reading in Ephesians 4 for a moment. And uh, as we read that to you, this is the Word of God, and this is what it says. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's trying to do something. He's at work within us. It tells us, right? Okay, so the Holy Spirit is trying to renew the way we think and renew our attitudes. We have to let Him. 
Do you realize that you choose the way that you will approach life every day? That you choose your response to the things that are happening? Therefore, we let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes by surrendering to Him, trusting Him, and then acting in obedience to change. We must let Him. Okay, verse 24 said this, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Every day you choose what you're going to wear. Y'all got dressed this morning. Thank you. And as you did, you either pull it out of a closet, a drawer, off the floor, wherever you got it from, you chose what you would wear. Hopefully somebody was there if it didn't match to tell you you need to change. But whatever. The point of the matter is, is that you put on what you put on. And usually, I will say this, that most of us choose what we're wearing with intentionality. There's a reason behind it. If there's a special game on, we wear our gear. If there's an event going on, we'll wear that. Or just trying to dress nicer because it was Christmas. Or whatever. But we're absolutely wearing what we wear because we chose to put it on. Hmm. So think about this, Christian. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So what God is telling me is that I am to put on this new nature because I've already thrown away my old one. And what I'm putting on is righteousness and holiness and godlikeness. Huh. So I have to put it on. I have to put it on. Therefore, again, I will say that I am choosing. I am letting the Holy Spirit put this on me. Because I am the one who has to embrace it. So... Years ago, in the early 90s, a new ministry was birthed in our country called Promise Keepers. It was an amazing ministry. It was a God thing. If you didn't like it, that's fine. That's your problem. Whatever. I don't want to debate it with you. I'm just telling you, God used it mightily in my life and many other men's lives. God transformed me as a man, as a Christian, as a husband, as a pastor, as a father. He used that ministry to absolutely impact my life in a great way, and I'm very grateful. Holy Spirit did some work in my life that I needed desperately through that ministry. Early 90s, I went to every event that it was possible for me to be at. I bought one of their coats. And it was a slipover, black one. It said Promise Keepers on it right here. It was like an embroidered emblem, men of integrity underneath it. So I'm wearing this jacket, but I don't realize I'm wearing this jacket. Pulling the gas station. And I honestly can't tell you anything about what was going on or what happened. I don't even know the surroundings. All I know is I had a bad attitude. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know any other details of the fact that I was like by myself in that gas station and I just didn't care right then about anything because I was angry. Bad attitude, all that stuff going on. Stepped out of my truck turned towards the gas nozzle to take the cap off. And when I looked down, I caught a glimmer of this reflection right here on my shirt. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
He's so amazing. When I looked down and I saw that it said promise keepers, men of integrity, and I was immediately struck with conviction. I hadn't done anything or said anything. Nobody knew anything. God did, and I did, and I knew what was inside of me. And I was angry, frustrated, and whatever was going on. When I walked into that gas station, there was a complete conversation going on with God inside of me. What if you weren't wearing that coat? How would you be acting right now? What would you have done? What was going to be your response? What was your attitude going to be like? Who were you going to take it out on? What were you going to say? All those things were going through my mind because immediately when I saw that name, I knew that I needed to shut up, check my attitude, and stop functioning in the area I was going to function in. And man, I was like, Lord, I'm so grateful that I had this on. Forgive me. Now, I wasn't excited and jumping up and down and saying, praise God, I'm, I'm a new man. No, I was still frustrated inside, but I was humbled in that moment and stricken with conviction and saying, God, I need to change. Something needs to change in me. What is going on and what is causing me to have this problem in me? God and I had an amazing time together. Nobody else there. What changed was I could have screwed things up. There's always people watching. There's always people watching. doesn't matter if you think you're by yourself or not. God's watching. But I'm saying there's other people always watching. So I look at that moment in my life and I share it with you because this. This is what the Word of God says. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. God-like. All of us as bikers, you know, we wear our vests and this is my dress vest. I have my biker vest that I wear too, you know. And it has a name tag. These guys that aren't biker people or something, you know, usually you get a name that's given to you in the biker community that relates to something in your life. Uh, like Road Rash is pretty obvious. If a guy has a name Road Rash, you know that he went down and he was pretty messed up. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, I don't care. There's a meaning for it behind it, and that's why people have it. All right. So as I'm reflecting on this and what the scripture says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I was thinking if every single one of us walked out today with a name tag on that said, truly righteous and holy, God-like, that's who I am. And I would walk out of here with that and I would have to wear it to work, school, stores, neighbor associations, church meetings, classrooms, hospitals, wherever we may go. And I have this identity on me. How different would we react and act if we were wearing that? We shouldn't be. See, put on this. You should be wearing it. See, we ought to be identified. That's what the Word of God is talking about. It's talking about the fact that as believers, the Holy Spirit is transforming us and changing us so much that the way that I think and act and my attitude is so different that it labels me as righteous and holy and godlike. I'm putting that on, man. I am not going to put on the old self. I'm putting on the new self with the new thoughts and the new ways. So I'm going to ask you, how holy and righteous and godlike were you this morning? What about yesterday or this past week or this past month or year? 
We are to be identified as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to be holy and righteous and godlike. That's God's word. Not many of us would want that name tag. We're like, we would give the whole false pretense of, oh, I, I could never wear that. No, you're supposed to be wearing it. You're supposed to be wearing that every day. So here's a bunch of groundwork's laid. We're looking in the mirror of God's word. God's word is directly challenging us about who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And now that the groundwork has been laid and the foundation of the polar opposites of the old life to the new life are compared, we need to continue to read some practical application in that same chapter of Ephesians 4. So we're only reading the one same verse and continuing on. You ready? Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ladies and gentlemen, these are not helpful suggestions for your life. They're not. See, what these are are expectations for the way a believer lives. Expectations. Not suggestions. Not hopeful life change down the road. Look, these are expectations. Now, as we go through these things then, and I look at that, it, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? That remember what we heard in the very beginning, saying these with the authority of the Lord, right? Saying like you've put, you put off the old life, that's the way it used to be, and now you put on the new one. You're allowing the Holy Spirit, you're letting the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and stuff. Now stop telling lies. Stop gossiping about others. Stop letting anger control you. Stop taking what's not yours. Start giving generously to those in need. Stop using bad language. What in the world are you swearing for anyway? You're a Christian, man. That's what he's talking about there, you know. Expectations is men and women of God, they don't swear. They change their language. Sorry, folks, it's God's word. It's not mine. You got an argument with him, you can talk to him. But it's God's word. And he doesn't say just stop swearing. He says stop using abusive language. So I'm not talking about fun banter between friends. You can harass each other. That's not like what he's talking about here. He says don't use abusive language. Abusive language is when you're tearing somebody down with the intention of hurt. 
you're believers, you're Christians, you've put on, you've let the Holy Spirit now renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You can't tear someone down with the right attitude. (laughs) Okay, it's God's word. This is what he says then, say good things, helpful things, encouraging things. Some of us wouldn't have anything to talk about. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's what God's word just said to the believers. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Well, maybe a 2020 goal could be this. Let the words that I say be an encouragement to those who hear them. Maybe we need to spend more time in James chapter 3 that talks about the tongue and being an unruly evil. And in chapter 1 where it says that, you know, it shows the heart. and eh, You're in trouble can't praise God and curse men with the same tongue and Holy Spirit, the bridle and spend some time there, it'll be helpful James 3 okay, but as we look at this he's saying let your words be an encouragement to those who hear them do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live thank goodness man that that little statement right there if we just like I mean let that sink in Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Holy Spirit, like calling us, trying to renew us. He's taking us into this new life and then we do stupid things like lie, gossip. Bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit that's within us. If you put on the new ways, he says, look, get rid of This is my responsibility again, church. This is my responsibility. I need to get rid of some stuff. I got to get rid of my bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, evil behavior. All right, now just process that for a second and think about it. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, evil behavior. Those things kind of all feed off one another, don't they? And uh, where do they come from? Um, Maybe my attitude my my reactions to others and so it's like here's here's something you need to make sure you're doing you're getting rid of this stuff how do we do that well he says first off when we start doing these things we are kind and tender-hearted and here's the key to it all forgiving one another just as god through christ jesus has forgiven you Oh, so the whole process again comes back to my forgiveness of others. My release of responsibility of you and your life to God. The renewing of my heart and my mind comes for my forgiveness of all your stupidity and actions. And owning my own attitude and thoughts. And my embracing of what the Holy Spirit is doing in me. Throughout this passage of Scripture... We're continually finding this contrasting sections of the old way versus the new way. The old life of sin, the new life in Christ. And it takes us back to the very same passage we've shared every single week of Advent. And we do again today in Galatians 5. When you follow desires over sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So before I read the next part, we've been reading these every week, and we see it very clearly reflecting upon Ephesians 4, where God is telling us, you know, we have to let the Holy Spirit renew the way we process things and do things. We've got to put off the old life because the old life produces this garbage, this sin, this brokenness in our life. And we have to put on the new stuff that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce within us. And this is what he says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when we put this whole thing together, it's like it's pretty crazy that it comes back to this aspect of my surrender to Him. It's where it goes to. The surrender of my attitude, my thoughts, the way I process things, the way I approach, the way I address life, the way I choose to live life. I have to choose to put on this new life this work of the Spirit within me, I have to let that Spirit produce that fruit by my response to it. I have to take ownership. You have to own it. Church, we have to own it. It's my responsibility to live this life. God has called me into a new life. <laughs> All right. Is your life showing evidence of the fruit of the Spirit and what He is producing in you? Is that happening? Are people saying you're a real Christian or what happened to you or what are you changing and why are you changing and what's happening in your life? They ought to be saying that more and more because you should be changing more and more all the time. So here's your action steps. And reflecting over today's scriptures, what area of your life needs focus in order to change? So, before I go on through these, I want to let you know that I'm expecting something from everybody in this room. Maybe your first Sunday here, and you may never come back and say, screw that. Uh, that's up to you and between you and God. But those of you that are here and you're coming back, I want you to know I have an expectation of you. I'm going to expect you to take these action steps with application in your life, and I'm going to ask you if you would either email or text me this week in response to these questions. All right? Now, I'm going to ask you next week what you're doing about it. Um, and I'll clarify some things as we go through. But this is what I want you to do. What area of your life needs focus so that you can change? What is it? See, when we read through that, the Holy Spirit's already pointed things out about you. You've reflected in the mirror. The Spirit of God saying, nah, that's not okay. We need to take care of this. Whatever that is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, that one area, let's ask God to help us to change that area. So the follow-up question to that is, what one thing can I do to make this change happen? Because it's not going to just happen on its own. It's not. We keep asking God to intervene and miraculously make it happen. God's saying, I want it to happen. I'm calling it to happen. The Spirit of God's trying to make it happen. Now you've got to embrace it and make it happen. All right, so here it is. What one thing can I do to make this change happen? The third thing, I want these three things. I don't want a book. I don't want a paragraph. I want three things, okay? Who will I ask to hold me accountable to this change? Who, who are you going to ask to hold you accountable to that change in your life? Now, I don't want your gruesome details. If you have something you don't want to share with me, I don't want to have it shared with me, okay? I'm serious. But if the Spirit of God is talking to you about something specific, you can just say, yes, the Holy Spirit identified it in me. Here's what I'm going to do different. And here's who's holding me accountable. You can purely give me three words, one, two, and three. And I'll get it. 
It doesn't matter if I get it or not. I am trying to hold us accountable to what God is doing in our life and talking to us about so that we will not be the same people in 2020 as we were in 2019. God is trying to do something new in our lives. I want you to know God wants to do something new in your life. And it's not going to happen unless you let it happen, you embrace it happening, and you make it happen. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Not in your flesh. You ready? I want those responses from you. Thank you. We cannot keep living the same way, doing the same things, and think things are going to change. They're not going to. Stand up with me, would you? I'm going to let you go early today because it's a new year coming. (laughs) Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thanks for all you do for us, God. We love you. Lord, we want to be different. We want to be who you died to make us. Not what the church wants, not what anybody else, what you want. Lord, lead us, we pray, as we lead this place in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is always open. God bless you, and thanks for being in this house today.